Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right now we're going to have a conversation that, you know, I wish we didn't have to have, but we do. We, the bottom line is we do. This is a conversation that we need to keep having uh, until um, something meaningful happens. Because lots of, we, we can, you know, we, we talk a lot about, oh, this is being done, this is, and, and there's a lot of lip service and a lot of campaigns and things that are done around this topic. But then we see stories like we saw earlier or last month that really sort of make people go, okay, we've got a problem. I'm talking primary, I'm talking about Hockey Canada. Um, and once again, hockey back in the headlines for all of the wrong reasons. Another very high-profile incident, uh, as you as you know by now, Hockey Canada settling with the victim of uh, a sexual assault incident allegedly involving several members of the World Junior Team from 2018. And, and again, we hear about the toxic culture and the broken system of hockey in Canada, and for good reason. I mean, these incidents make it pretty clear. There are some very, very very big problem. So let's get into that. Can we fix it? We've talked so much about fixing it and it hasn't happened. What do we need to do differently? We're going to chat with Dr. Tim Skews, who's an associate professor in curriculum and pedagogy at Brandon University. Um, Dr. Skews, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Well, thank you, and uh, thanks for taking interest in our story. Yeah, I mean, the, the piece that you put together, uh, I think it makes a number of really, really good points. And, and to start, you know, we hear about these high-profile stories, right? And they sort of make people go, oh, my goodness, what's going on? But but they're in keeping with what has been said about hockey in general for a really, really long time now, right? Uh, you know, this is about culture. This is about toxic masculinity. The same things we've heard about hockey forever. This just exemplifies that, yeah, it's still happening. Yes, um, certainly I agree with that. I, I think our research, and certainly research that has been done before us, has brought this to light throughout decades, several decades. And um, our research uh, for this particular study looked at men between 18 and almost 60. So it, 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 it covers a span of, you know, not just the, the older days when people say, well, things have now, um, they've changed and they've progressed. I think we're seeing that this is fairly entrenched systemically. And when you take a look at, you know, a big tell here, I think, is the way that it was handled, right? When you talk about Hockey Canada has said all these things and implemented all of these programs about changing this culture, but an incident like this happens, and what do they do? Uh, Keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. There's no transparency. We're going to settle it, all these sorts of things. So it sort of belies the point that they're they're not doing what they say they're doing. Yeah, and I think one of the key things that we're suggesting and, and really trying to push for is that to have these open and frank discussions about how boys and men are experiencing elite level hockey. And I think it's critical that to interrogate the practices that influence how men and boys think about hockey culture. You, you know, we're talking about elite hockey here. Is there, is there a delineation? Is, there, is it different? Or are we talking about hockey in general? That's a good question. I think it, uh, my son plays U11, and he's playing in a house league right now. And uh, during the pandemic, they had two separate dressing rooms that the boys would be, be going into. And we walked into the first one, and there, there was these, quote-unquote, I guess the alpha males that were loud and boisterous. And he said, 
I, I've got to go to another room. And then I, as we were moving to the other room, he said, is there a place for me just to say something that even though I'm quiet? So I think this permeates down into it just doesn't stay within the elite level hockey. I think the images that boys and men have permeate down from the elite level. So I think that's a, it's an important observation that you make. Um, I, too, have been involved in minor hockey for, for, for a long, long time. Uh, as a coach, uh, my kids have been involved, all those sorts of things. So I know what you're talking about. I mean, and I think it, it, I, I was involved with house league hockey, too. And, and you're right. I mean, it's the same dynamic that you see play out anywhere that, that a group of boys get together. So I think you're absolutely right. And, and I've seen some of the work that Hockey Canada has implemented in terms of respect in sport and the training the coaches go through and the training the parents have to take before their parents, uh, kids can be on the ice and things like that. But it, in reality, uh, it clearly hasn't done enough. It hasn't really affected a lot of overarching change. Um, do you think it's, it's meaningful enough, what has been done? Yeah, and I, I, again, I think it's really important to suggest, not to suggest that things aren't being done. Right. I think, but what, we're, what we keep hearing from the interviews that the young boys and men that we're interviewing, that it's not enough. And one of the things that I, I think that we hear a lot of and what we're trying to encourage is to say, how do we all come to interrogate our understandings of being a boy and a man? And I think until those conversations are held and that men and boys can start to say, here is my experience and my understanding of what it is to be a boy, because these are all, we're arguing that they're constructs that we learn to be through the practices. And, and hockey is one set of practices. Obviously, society has other ways that men learn this. But we're really trying to say, what is hockey doing to provide a space for boys and men to talk about their understandings of being of being a boy and a man. How do we do this in a meaningful way? Like, like you and I say, we, we, we've, seen, we've seen the work being done, we've seen the programs being implemented, and it's not having the effect that I think anybody wants it to have near, nearly enough. Anyway, how do, how do we do this in, in, a, in a better way? What needs to happen? Yeah, that's, again, I mean, one of the things, and in the article we tried to point to some of the things that we think would be, would be beneficial at least to engage in this conversation. And certainly... Um, teaching players about sexual violence, notions of consent, the human value, um, also trying to take a look at what systemically starts to support these things. It's not just individuals acting poorly or reprehensible behaviors. It's systemic. And also, how do we engage boys and men about the brand of masculinity? about what they're trying to say is you have to play through injury. And oftentimes it, it, it focuses on this hyper-masculine certain brand. Uh, and then how do we create spaces then to interrogate these institutional practices? I think what we're trying to put forth is at grassroots level, how do coaches and all those involved in minor hockey start to create spaces for these conversations? And so there's a meaningful critique about how we're teaching and how what boys and men are learning about being a man and a boy. And you know, I'll come back to these programs. And we, I mean, if you watched playoff hockey, if you watched, uh, you know, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, pretty much every single commercial break had some sort of commercial talking about how hockey is for everyone and how hockey is inclusive. And how, there's a lot of PR. There's a lot of campaigns around this. Um, do you think they follow up, or is that just, you know, uh, is that all for show? 
Yeah, I, I think one of the things, and, and to your point about the playoffs, I think there's a lot of contradictions that I think that are immersed in this as well. And, and part of the couple of stories that Sportsnet um, advertised or I guess promoted as the playoffs were going on is number one was the Nassim Kadri. And they did a special on him about this idea of notion of trash talking. Yeah. And this is something that's applauded. And, and I guess what we might argue is to say, well, okay, there's, there's certain of that, what's going on there. But how do we start to challenge that that's a lead story that forecloses on what would be appropriate and how we talk to our opponents? And then the second story that came out that I thought was interesting is the idea that uh, Tampa Bay um, put forth their injury list at the end of the, um, at the, end of the playoffs. And I think we have this notion that men are esteemed warriors when they work through this pain and, and, and injuries and so forth. And we're not suggesting that there, there aren't going to be injuries or hurts uh, within a contact sport. But what we're saying is those kinds of uh, discussions foreclose on other discussions about why and when should men not play through injuries. So I think what we're saying, what we're trying to say is these discussions foreclose on conversations that could see it otherwise. Yeah, and change the thinking around it. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Okay, thank you very much. That is Dr. Tim Skews, who is an associate professor in the curriculum at Brandon University.